0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: This evening, allow me to acknowledge the owner of our nation, the God of the Bible. And it is appropriate... (laughs) And it is appropriate we do so as we give thanks for Salt Shaker's inspired work for those that helped found, drive and promote Soul Shakers for two decades, and especially Peter and Jenny Stokes. In a society seemingly desperate to renounce the roots of its rich and rewarding culture, Soul Shakers stands out as a beacon, reminding us that the freedom and wealth we enjoy as a society, as a nation, is not because we are a lucky country, but because we are blessed, blessed by our Judeo-Christian roots and foundations. As salt shakers the organisation winds down, I trust that we as individuals at this dinner will take the opportunity to reassess ourselves and ask, what can I do to be the salt that is so desperately needed? Can I be more active on Facebook, Twitter, letters to the editor braver in discussions with my family, friends and workmates. Do people know what I believe and why? Salt shakers and its personnel give us a model to emulate. A model which proclaims the gospel fearlessly in truth and in love. Even in circumstances when one is held down and indeed shut down by people who are the self-appointed purveyors of tolerance. The Christian faith, which Salt Shakers proclaims, is the same worldview on which our nation was built as was the rest of the Western world. You know, that part of the world which is allegedly horrifically bigoted, intolerant and worthy of ridicule and loathing by most of our commentariat, yet surprisingly is the destination of choice for people fleeing communism, fascism, ISIL and poverty. The indisputable positive impact of Christianity on our world has been well and truly documented. That is why it's worth fighting for. Be it from the Indian thinker Vishal Mangalwadi in his book, The Book That Made Your World, subtitled How the Bible Created the Soul of Western Civilisation, to Alvin Schmidt's How Christianity Changed the World, to our very own national treasure, Professor Geoffrey Blaney's A Short History of Christianity, which, because of its brevity, runs to only over 600 pages. (laughs) They all document the hugely civilising impact that Christianity has had on the development of the Western world in the ancient, medieval and modern worlds of the the Christian ethic, elevated standards of morality, halted infanticide, enhanced human life, emancipated women, abolished slavery, inspired charities and relief organisations, created hospitals, established orphanages and founded schools. Christianity almost single-handedly kept classical culture alive, through recopying manuscripts, building libraries, moderating warfare through truce days, and providing dispute arbitration. It was Christians who invented colleges and universities, dignified labor as a divine vocation, and extended the light of civilization. Christian teaching advanced science instilled concepts of political and social and economic freedom fostered justice and provided the greatest single cause of inspiration to the magnificent achievements in art, in architecture, in music and in literature that we treasure to the present day. The reality is that today's secular morality could hardly have been possible without the Judeo-Christian ethic that has influenced generation after generation. In short, No other religion, philosophy, teaching, nation, movement, whatever, has so changed the world for better as Christianity has done, to quote Alvin Schmidt. Ours is a religion, ours is a tradition, ours is a worldview for which we should be rightly thankful. It is a worldview from which many of its critics unknowingly draw upon. The current atheistic attitude is to seek to prove that everything Christian is somehow bad, that Christianity is the source of every evil in the world. Yet some of these atheists, or indeed anti-theists, would do well to ask where their views are actually founded. I'm sure they would be surprised, if not horrified. Take separation of church and state as an example often argued by atheists. It is a wholly owned Christian idea and concept, not a secular view in its origins at all. The good law told us to render to Caesar that which is Caesar's and to God that which is God's. St Augustine saw the city of man and the city of God. Or take human rights, as one wag from the Institute of Public Affairs recently put it, Many human rights activists think human rights sprang forth with a virgin birth in the mid-20th century. However the truth be known, the concept of human rights is founded in the belief we are, each one of us, uniquely and wonderfully made in the image of our Creator God and as such have God-given rights which no government has the right to take from us. Hence the central role of Christianity in the fight to abolish slavery. Even those earlier Greek and Roman societies which had a form of democracy usually had an equality for members of the particular elite with a society sustained by slaves. As Os Guinness observed, the plain fact is that no free and lasting civilisation anywhere in history has so far been built on atheist foundations. (coughs) Despite this truth, many are seeking to revile and renounce our Christian heritage without having a coherent replacement worldview. Too often, those of us in the Parliament of the Christian faith are asked to leave our faith at the doors of Parliament House Isn't that right, Neil? Ever noticed atheists aren't asked to leave their worldview at the doors of Parliament House? As a legislator, and indeed any legislator, should try to encourage good behaviour and discourage bad behaviour through the legislation that they pass. My concept of good and bad Is based on my morality, which in turn is based on my worldview. I, for one, am happy to advocate for the Judeo Christian worldview as the best for society and individuals. When those seeking to condemn the Judeo Christian worldview are asked, What is your substitute? there is a stony silence. Sadly, Neither is there any consistency. For example, those that loudly advocate for quotas and equal representation of the sexes because of the distinct, different and diverse views brought to the Parliament, the judicial benches or the boardrooms argue just as vehemently against the need for this distinction, difference and diversity when it comes to the most important role in society, the socialisation of the next generation. So despite all their rhetoric, it seems two males can in fact do just as good a job as a male and female. The one social institution which had a quota of one male and one female is now to be trashed. These days we are told that sex is only a biological status and one's real status is determined by one's gender, which is to be solely determined by oneself. If that is actually the case and actually believed, then the appointment of a biological female may in fact result in the appointment of a gendered male. Or one of the 100 options in between if from what we have been told in recent times and if that isn't enough the push is on to indoctrinate our children with these corrosive views as early as primary school through the very unsafe safe schools program. Secondary students don't miss out either The Marxist architects of this pernicious program believe it's a good idea to have prepubescent grade 7 girls sharing toilets with fully matured grade 10 or even grade 12 males. Sadly, we have countless examples of such society-corroding programs and campaigns. Those of us offering the alternate viewpoint are constantly being held down, misrepresented, stereotyped and threatened. All, I'm sure, you will appreciate in the name of tolerance. Not only by our stated opponents, but the so-called mainstream media. A media which has largely lost its objectivity and search for truth. Countless examples abound And I, for one, can provide many personal experiences. But the bias, the pejorative terminology, the ridicule, all emanate from what I have previously described as most of the media's negative sentiment override when it comes to the conservative point of view and even more so the Christian conservative point of view. Negative sentiment override is when you cannot see any good in what the other does. So if your spouse makes you a cup of tea on arriving home, it must be because a new pair of shoes has been bought, blowing (laughs) out the credit card. (laughs) Or the presentation of flowers is covering up an affair. So conservatives who want to stop the boats can only possibly be motivated by cruelty, wishing to make a miserable life even worse. The fact that the motivation finds its genesis in the desire to put criminal people smugglers out of business, stop drownings at sea, and allow an intake of refugees based on need, not on capacity to pay criminal people smugglers, is just not even contemplated. If you acknowledge the self-evident and fundamental yet complementary differences between male and female... You must be a misogynist, rather than someone that celebrates, dare I say it, diversity. If you support the millennia-old and all-cultural, and I stress this all-cultural definition of marriage, requiring the male and female component as the best institution for socialising the next generation, you are motivated by homophobia, not because you want the best. For our children. The examples abound. On top of those examples are the not-so-subtle portrayals in the media. You'll read many a time about the alleged hard or extreme right-wing elements in the Coalition. Ever notice there is apparently no hard or extreme left in the ALP or the Greens? Recently, another example, recently there were two stories immediately underneath each other in my local paper with truly horrid revelations from the Child Abuse Royal Commission. The top story told you immediately in the first line the allegation was against a teacher in the private sector. The next story, immediately underneath also involving a teacher, required you to read to the very last paragraph to learn that this criminal was undetected in the state school system. Or note how Cardinal Pell is treated in relation to suggestions he should have known about goings-on in his seminary, whilst left-wing journalist Paul Bongiorno, who was there at exactly the same time, is fully excused and believed when he, like Cardinal Pell says, he saw and knew of nothing untoward. But friends, there is hope. We can all make a difference for good if we allow ourselves to be available in his service. A favourite inspirational story of mine is that of Abraham Kuyper. And yes, I'm from the Reformed Church. Abraham Kuyper was a distinguished everything, academic, journalist, theologian and Prime Minister of Holland. He started life as a minister of religion by way of profession rather than confession. On landing his first congregation, he sought to meet one-on-one with all his parishioners. Detecting his lack of faith and lack of commitment, one lady parishioner said to another, she wouldn't waste her time meeting with him. Long story short, but highly motivating and encouraging, so long story short, the other lady convinced the first lady that a meeting might just be the opportunity for the conversion of this young newbie, Abraham Kuiper. And so it turned out. The meeting occurred and the conversion occurred. And he went on to become this academic journalist, editor editor of a paper, theologian and prime minister of his country. Just a little word of encouragement by one person to another can lead to a chain reaction for good beyond our wildest expectations. So it might be your letter to the editor, even if it doesn't get printed, that gets a journalist thinking or your Facebook post, or discussion with a work colleague. Friends, remember we aren't called on to succeed, although that's always nice. We are called to serve, not necessarily to succeed. This year my morning devotions are informed by world-renowned author Patrick Sukdeo's devotional book, Heroes of Our Faith, which recounts on every day, individual case studies of Christian service and suffering, including martyred, lowly Christian slaves whose witness changed families and villages. So whilst we have the opportunity, let's dedicate ourselves and use the freedoms with which we are blessed. And should you require an example or a role model... You need look no further than Peter and Jenny Stokes of Salt Shakers. Thank you very much.
0: Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported.